I need to admit something to you this morning. I, I have a habit of standing on this stage and admitting some of my greatest shortcomings, and, uh, and I, have, I have a confession to make today. Uh, I'm really good with directions. I don't know if that sounds like a bad thing for you, but man, all of my life, I've been really good with directions. Even when I was a child, um, even when I was a teenager prior to driving, like I just had this ability to kind of know where we were at and know where we were headed. And I could tell, you know, people, if I was riding with somebody that wasn't my parents or whatever, and we were kind of getting back to my house, I could tell you, you turn here and you go here, even from a young age. But something happened along the way when technology developed, it made me lazy. I got a GPS, um, in fairness, I won a GPS um, by hitting the longest drive in a golf tournament. A little humble brag there, no big deal. But I won a GPS and I put it in my car. And so, you know, you know this, this is a dated kind of illustration. You understand how GPSs work. You, you put in the destination that you're attempting to arrive at eventually, and it calculates your starting position, and it gives you the ability to navigate to where you're going. And, and the GPS got tired to me. I didn't like it. It was too bulky. I forgot to charge it. My charger didn't reach in a way down to my little lighter there that I felt like was, you know, not in my way all the time. And so I eventually sold that, made a fortune off of it. It was great because I didn't pay anything for it. And then this really cool thing happened because then they started putting GPSs on my phone. And I would take my iPhones and I would still be able to utilize this GPS technology so that I could be driving down the road and then when I would stop safely, obviously, at a red light, I would pull over to the side of the road, not driving the car at all. I would stop. I would pause. I'd put it in drive. I would take the keys out of the ignition and lay them beside me. And then I would put in the destination that I don't know why you're laughing, except for yesterday. There was one time in my whole life. Um, I would put in the destination that I was trying to arrive at. And, and this is amazing technology. It blows my mind. It, it's, it's boggling. It doesn't even ask me usually where I'm trying to start from. Now, sometimes if I am somewhere else, but I want to find out how I'm going to get from one place to the other and I'm not at that starting location, I can ask Siri. I can say, hey, Siri, how far is it or how do I get from you know, this address to this address or from this place to this city? And it will tell me. Siri will spit that information out to me and tell me how I'm supposed to get from point A to point B. And here's what I love about this. It gives me not one option, but three. It gives me the fastest way to get between point A and point B. It also gives me the most direct way, which is usually slower, because it's not the faster way, so it's always slower, I guess, but it's the most direct route. I can go, you know, in 14 minutes this way up the interstate and go around, it's the fastest way, or I can take a lot of these little side roads, which I love to do, um, kind of frustrates my wife, but I'm taking the most direct route because obviously it's going to be faster. And then it gives me this third option, which I've never fully understood. It's not the most direct route or the fastest route. It's just option C. If you choose not to go the fastest or the most direct route, it will take you from Sequoia High School to the Holly Springs Depot by way of Mississippi. And it will just let you navigate your way to Biloxi and back. And it's a little longer, and it's not quite the most direct way, but it will get you from point A to point B. I love this technology, and I use it a lot. But here's what happened. It made me lazy. Because remember, I used to be amazing at directions. I used to know how to get everywhere. One of my favorite games would be to never go the same way two times in a row to find a new way to get to my house. I don't know if I thought the CIA was following me or what, but I was always taking a new route home. 
I was always taking a new route to a restaurant. I was always trying to find another way. This was pre-GPS. I was my own GPS. I was like, that's a road name that I recognize. And so I think I'll see where that ends up on the other side. Now, yes, there were times that it didn't take me the most direct or the fastest way, but I was gaining knowledge. If anyone ever attacked me and I had to get away, I knew a lot of different ways to get out. But GPS made me lazy. Because what I got to do is I just got to listen to the voice that was guiding me to say, turn left in 800 feet. And in 800 feet, I would turn left. And you know what happens if I miss my turn in 800 feet? Just choose a new route. It says redirecting. And it says, okay, you missed that turn, you idiot. So in 500 feet, turn left again, and we're just going to circle back. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the... There's a little attitude when I miss my turn that my GPS gives to me. And eventually, I get to my destination. There's only three things required when I'm utilizing a GPS. I have to know where I'm starting. I have to know where I'm going. And I have to trust the route that it gives to me. I got to be honest. I'm pretty good with directions, And so I usually struggle to trust the route that it's given me. I'll be going, and and Corey will say, you're supposed to turn left here. I'm like, no, 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 I've been this way before. It's faster to go straight. She's like, then why did it tell you to turn left? I'm like, I think it's broken. I think it doesn't work anymore. The satellite is being impeded by a cloud. It can't see my awesome Chrysler Pacifica right now. It's confusing me with the car. Because I'm pretty good with directions. And so... I choose a starting point, I choose an ending point, and then I trust the route that's delivered to me. Last week, we began a brand new series called Words to Live By, and we looked at the wisdom literatures of Scripture. And over the next few weeks, we'll continue that series. We end it in about three weeks. And we're just looking at the start of this year. How do we gain wisdom to live by? How do we choose to kind of look into the words that God has written through these writers even thousands of years ago to try to be wiser and to try to figure out how to live in ways that please and honor God. And we're going to continue that today in the book of Proverbs. If you've got a Bible, flip with me to the book of Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament, kind of later in the, the Old Testament there. And if you don't have a Bible or a smartphone where you can follow along, these words will be up on the screen. We're really just going to kind of land in two verses of Proverbs chapter 3. And some of you could quote these without even opening your Bible. If you want to kind of take notes or flip along with us there, you can do that. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is an incredibly famous and often quoted passage of scripture. But my hope today is not that I'm going to bring a lot of new knowledge to the subject, even though there's a lot of things that we could really unpack here. I think there's some incredible knowledge. But I think really this verse, these two verses, they speak for themselves. So my objective today as we look at this passage is not to give you a bunch of new knowledge. It's just to say, hey, here is what the Bible says. Now, how do we apply that? Pastor Andy Stanley says this, knowledge alone makes Christians haughty but application makes us holy. I think there's a lot of times that we're looking for God to give us new knowledge. We're looking for God to give us a lot of new information, and we're looking for God to give us a new word and new something, a new direction. I think sometimes God's just waiting on us to apply what we already know to do. 
And so today, my hope is as we read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we kind of unpack it and we dive into it for a few minutes, that we wouldn't necessarily just be looking for new knowledge, but we would be looking for a little more application of what's written here. The first part of this verse that we just read was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And when I read that, my first thought is, what keeps us from trusting? You ever thought about it? I mean, not just in a relationship with God, maybe with just relationships with people. What keeps you from trusting? If you're anything like me, it's probably a lot of things. It's not just one thing. It might be fear. It might be this historical disappointment. Somewhere in your past, you trusted somebody and they betrayed that trust and you were disappointed. You were upset. It cost you more than you wanted to pay. And so now you struggle to trust other people because you trusted somebody sometime back there And they weren't trustworthy, and so you are not going to trust other people anymore. Or it's going to be a lot more difficult for someone to gain your trust. And so here's a few things. I've I've even mentioned some of them already. Past hurts keep us from trusting. Disappointments keep us from trusting. A sense of self-reliance, kind of me with the GPS. I know how to get there, and I know that I don't need your help, and so I'm just going to do it on my own. Maybe it's pride, which is probably wrapped up in some of that self-reliance. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. I think it's probably a little bit of all of these. And so sometimes what we do is we superimpose these feelings that we have towards other people onto our relationship with God. And so we say, okay, God says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And we go, yeah, that's a little more than I want to use to trust God. So I'm going to trust God with some of my heart. I'm going to trust God as long as I never actually have to step out in faith. I just scared some of you right there. And I'm just, I'm just going to, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a little fearful. I've actually prayed to God before, and I've asked God for some very specific things, and they didn't happen, and so I'm not sure that God's trustworthy. And I've been hurt in the church before, and, you know, if all Christians are like some of the Christians I've met, I don't really want to, you know, kind of trust the God that they all say they're worshiping and So we superimpose these feelings that we have on God and on the trust that God's asking us to give to him. But the problem that we have when we do this is that God is not even giving us the latitude here to start at a low level of trust. Like God understanding that doesn't say, I know you've been hurt. I know you're a little self-reliant. You got a little pride. You got a little fear. You got a little doubt. I I know that. So here's what I want you to do. Let's just negotiate a little bit. Why don't you trust me? Just a little bit. Well, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. One of the most famous New Testament passages that actually references an Old Testament passage, they're all connected, says that we're to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And I've said it this way before. I'm sure I stole it from somebody, but I'm going to say it's me, so I'm quoting Jeremy here. All things includes small things. Like it's easy sometimes to trust God in the bigger things than it is the smaller things, right? We, tr- we pray to God. We say, God, I need a job. And I can't make a job, so I need a job, so I'm trusting you to bring me a job. God, I'm trusting you with my marriage. I'm trusting you with the healing of someone, supernatural healing that I need you to do because I can't do it. And so we trust him sometimes with the big things, but when we're trying to decide some of those small things, we don't trust God there. Or we think that sometimes those are too small to really even talk to God about. 
And, and I, think, I think that's like, it's almost offensive to God. He doesn't get offended the way that I get offended or that you get offended. But I think God would say, no, no, no. All things include small things. So when I say trust in the Lord with all your heart, I mean with all of your heart. I need you to trust me. That's why I think sometimes we've boiled Christianity down to this like one-time prayer, one-time decision. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of you to be my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. Amen. And we stop right there. We think that's the only step in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I don't know if there's anybody in the room that would actually lift their hand and say, no, after I did that, I've actually started trusting God with all of my heart. Like, I think there's some people in the room that are trusting him more than others. I think there's some that are trying to grow in that regard and really trying to hope. But sometimes, instead of prayer being our first option, it's our last resort. Sometimes when we've done everything that we know to do, then we go, okay, God, I mean, it's up to you now. If you don't do it, I don't know how it's going to get done because we've tried everything we know to do. What if instead we just flip that and we just said, God, here's a need. We haven't done anything about this yet, but we just want to come to you first. And I'm just trusting you with all of my heart that you're going to accomplish your perfect will and perfect desire for me in my life in this situation. And now I'm going to do my part. I'm going to trust that you're going to turn, you know, five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed 5,000, but I'm going to go find the five loaves and two fish. And I'm going to get the baskets ready to, you know, to gather up everything that's left over when you're done doing the miraculous. I want to be a part of this, but I'm trusting you first. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I think that's probably the greatest area of growth for me. Not that I've grown in, that I need to grow in. That I need to trust God with more and more and more and eventually all of my heart because that's what I'm commanded to do here in Proverbs chapter 3. The second thing that this passage said was, lean not in your own understanding. Now, there are some things we're certain of, aren't we? Like we are sure of some things. There's some things you don't even have to think about. You just trust them. You just know it's going to work. You just know it's going to happen. It's like, again, my GPS thing. Man, I just, I just know that the fastest way from my house to that Mexican restaurant is down this road, and you turn one time, and I'm there. So if somebody said to me, hey, the fastest route to that Mexican restaurant is actually you go out of here, and you take this route, and you go, I'd be like, no, no, no. I understand something you don't understand. My car has actually rubbed ruts in the road between my house and that Mexican restaurant. I've been there enough. I know how to get there, right? And so I understand some things. I don't need somebody else to tell me something that they think I don't understand. And so leaning not in my own understanding, this idea that I'm not going to be dependent on what I think I understand is not something that I do well at. There's some of us, maybe I'll say us, even though I don't think this is me fully. There's some of us that are kind of, you know, type A, rid, don't, don't elbow your spouse. They're just, you know, we're kind of rigid in the way that we think and operate. And like, we're certain that this is supposed to happen and then this and then this and then this. But if like letter D happens before letter C, we have a heart attack. We panic. Our entire week is thrown off. We are mad at people we've never met because when we went to the drawer, the toothbrush was not where it was supposed to be. It's always there. Who moved the toothbrush, right? There's just some things we understand. The toothbrush is there. Why is it not there? And then we freak out and we're starting to sweat and we got to take a whole nother shower and it's really, really bad. 
Because there's some things that we understand about how the way the world operates. And so now if I am in this place where I'm supposed to trust and not just lean in my own understanding, I am I'm in a bad way. Now here's what this does not imply. I do not believe that this implies that to be a part of the Christian faith and to trust in God means I've got to check my head at the door. I think that a relationship with God, at least my relationship with God, is as much head as it is heart. That the things that people are talking to me and conversing with me about related to what faith is and what a relationship with God looks like and how I feel about the things that the Bible says, about the things that are going on in culture, I think that's as much head as it is heart. I don't think he's saying here, check your head at the door, don't use your mind, don't think about it, don't try to be critical in the way that you think about Scripture and process what God may be saying. I think sometimes that's where Christians get in trouble. We talk about issues completely out of our heart and completely out of our faith, and we never get down into the muck to really debate the intellectual side of faith. I believe that faith in God and the Scriptures that God has given to us can stand against any argument. And I'm not afraid to debate those things. I'm not afraid to talk about them. So I don't think God's saying here, just, you know, kind of live up in the clouds and trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't understand things and that's okay, but it's all, you know, you just kind of go with the flow. I think I know this. The prophet Isaiah tells me that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts higher than my thoughts. And there may be things that I do just have to fully trust and believe in God but I'm going to do that because he's proven himself trustworthy. And there comes a moment where my uncle calls it just faith and forward. You just keep moving forward in faith. Talking to God. Challenging yourself. Growing your faith. Talking to God about the things that you don't understand. And asking God to reveal himself more and more and more to you. I believe God does that. I don't believe he's intimidated by our questions. I don't believe that God is concerned when we go, God, I don't know what you're doing here. I'm not sure what you're trying to accomplish. That whole your ways are higher than my ways. Yeah, I'm living that out right now because I can't figure out which way we're headed. And so I'm just going to faith forward. I'm just going to move forward in faith. And so trusting in the Lord with all my heart, I'm just trusting. And leaning not in my own understanding, I'm just faithing. I don't even think it's a real word because my spell check on my computer just kept telling me it wasn't. It just kept trying to change it to farthing, and that's not what I wanted. It was faithing. And so I just had my computer learn faithing. I just kept typing it enough where my computer was thinking, dude, this guy's an idiot. But we're not going to farthing. We're going to faithing, right? Here's what Pastor Craig Mosgrove says. He says, full obedience doesn't require full understanding. Full obedience doesn't require full understanding. I mean, I, I talk about my kids a lot. It's probably taught me as much about God and me as anything else that I've experienced in the world. But there are some things that I have to do for the sake of my kids that they don't fully understand. But I expect their obedience. Because as their loving heavenly father does to me, I, their earthly father, am attempting to do for them. I'm attempting to look at things that they can't see yet and try to anticipate the possible consequences of decisions that they can't even possibly grasp yet and say, no, I know you want to go there and I know you want to do that 
And I know you want to watch that, and I know you want to listen to this, and I know you want to be friends with them, but I'm going to say no here. I'm going to redirect you to a new route, and I know you don't understand it, but I need you to obey it. And that's easy as the father to my kids, but it's difficult for me as the child to my father because I want to understand. And to obey, I need God to go, this is why I'm saying this. And he doesn't often do that, does he? So frustrating. And so sometimes because I know that he loves me, and sometimes because I'm attempting to trust him with all of my heart, I just faith forward. I just keep moving forward in faith and I'm saying, yeah, I'm trusting you and I'm faithing you and so I'm just moving forward. And then the third part of this says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. There's that word all again. I mean, that is so frustrating because I think there's some of my ways that I'm acknowledging him really well. I think there's a lot of my ways that I'm acknowledging him really well but not in all my ways. That part of a relationship with God where he's constantly shaping and molding, kind of cutting at the parts that don't look like what he wants it to look like in me. Those are those parts that don't acknowledge him. This is not just with my lips saying, I acknowledge that there is a God. This is in my ways. This is in the way that I live. This is in the actions of my life. If I could not speak about my relationship with God, would other people know I have one by the way that I live? If I couldn't use words, if I had the inability to articulate who God was and what he meant to me with my lips, if I couldn't say, I love God, he's the Lord and Savior of my life, could they watch my life and know? Because of the way that I acknowledge him. Because of the way that I demonstrate what he's done in me. I'm trusting and I'm faithing and I'm living. I'm just trusting in the Lord with all of my heart. And if I'm not there yet, I'm asking God to continue to help me trust him with more and more of my heart. And I'm leaning not in my own understanding. And where I'm falling short in that, I'm just faithing forward and asking God to reveal more and more of his ways that are higher than my ways and more and more of his thoughts that are higher than my thoughts so that I can just faith forward with a greater confidence that God, who loves me, who has plans and a future and a hope for me, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, that that God really is doing what this verse concludes with. He's really directing my path. He's really directing my path. He's really leading me in the paths that he has for me. Your translation may say he's making your path straight. And Pastor Mark and I preached a message like five years ago called When Crooked Paths Go Straight. 2009, May of 2009. Wow. And here, here's, what that, here's what that passage, look, listen. Here's what that message was about. It was centered in this passage. Here's what that, that sermon was about. We don't often think that when our life is going crooked, that God's in control. There's no way that God is actually leading us into some of the stuff that we find ourselves in, right? I mean, there's no way it's God's will that, 
this happened in my life and this is going on and this is taking place and there's no way that God actually led me here. There's no way he's directing my path. There's no way that he's making my path straight if I find myself in a situation that doesn't seem to be for my good. And yet, I'm called to trust and I'm called to faith and I'm called to live. If I really believe the promise He's directing my path. Here's some scriptural examples of people that did and did not trust God. I just want to read some of these. You know these. Adam and Eve didn't trust God, and it cost them Eden. cost them the physical presence of God, and it cost them the pain of childbirth and the reality of work. Noah trusted God to build an ark when, he made, when it made no sense, and humanity was saved from destruction. Abraham trusted God to sacrifice Isaac and to move to a far country without even knowing where God was sending him. Moses didn't trust God to provide for their needs when he was leading the children of Israel through the desert. Joshua trusted God to deliver Jericho in their hands with the worst military strategy in history. Just walk around the wall and keep your mouth shut. He trusted God. Elijah trusted God to send down fire to consume everything that was on Mount Carmel as he was battling the prophets of Baal. David trusted God to defeat Goliath. Nehemiah trusted God to help rebuild the walls. Mary trusted that God caused her to supernaturally conceive Jesus Christ. Joseph, her husband, trusted God that he was responsible for the virgin that he was engaged to be married to, to be pregnant. And he trusted that the angel was telling him the truth. Peter trusted God to walk on water And Peter trusted God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And you and I sit here today because he did. Some of these are very simple truths. I don't think any of them are easier or any of them were easier to trust God than the thing that you're wrestling with right now. Like when we read scripture, sometimes we read it and we go, yeah, but if I was there, I'd have trusted God too. Look what God had done in their life. No. To say that is to undermine the experience and the history and the context that those men and women were walking through in their own personal lives. I don't believe it was any easier for them to make those decisions than it is for you and I to make the decisions that we're trying to trust God for. I believe we're walking our road trying to figure out how to get to the place that God has destined for us to go. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. You know what? I think the greatest thing that you could do for God would be, today it might not even be leading someone to Christ. Today it might not be attending church. It may not be giving. It may not be attending a life group. It may not be joining a serving team, though you need to do all those things. You know what the greatest thing that you might be able to do today in a relationship with Jesus Christ It's to take the first step in a direction that you have no idea what the end looks like. It's trusting God. Maybe the greatest thing for you, the the thing that's going to be the catalyst for growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what it could be? Trusting in the Lord with the first step when you don't know what step two looks like. The greatest thing that you might be able to do is to just faith forward when you want to stand still. To trust God when 
your understanding says, this doesn't make sense to me. I think you filter it through all the wisdom things we talked about last week. The wisdom filters, they're online and they're on the podcast if you want to go back and listen. to them. I think you look at what scripture says and you talk to wise people and you see what God's saying and you, and you anticipate the consequences. And I think you role play in that. I think you do all those things. But at some point, I think God may be saying to you, I can't show you every step until you take the first one. The children of Israel are an incredible story that takes up so much of the Old Testament. They had come out of Egypt, they were in captivity, they were slaves, they were in bondage. And they're walking between Egypt and their eventual promised land. Scholars tell us that it could have taken somewhere between just a few days to even just a few months to get from where they were going, from where they were at to where they were going with all those people. And yet it took them 40 years. It did not seem like the most direct route. I think Moses' GPS was like, is this thing broken? Like, I don't, is the satellite signal? Obviously, they were still using telephones back then, so. <laughs> now that some of you are back with me. It didn't seem like the most direct route, right? But here's what Moses knew, and here's what he kept reminding the people of before he himself forgot and missed the promised land. He knew where they had come from because they got out in the desert and they thought, wait a minute, we are starving to death. It'd be better for us to go back than to keep moving forward. And Moses said, wait a minute, what? Let me just remind you what is back there. You were slaves, not free. You were being beaten. They made you build bricks but didn't give you the straw that you needed to do it. You were oppressed. No, Back there is safer because you know it, not because it is. The better place is out there what you don't know. Because that's where God's leading us. Right? That's our fear. We, we, don't know, we don't know how to take the first step because we don't know where the second step's at. I mean, if we read these scriptural examples... Abraham said yes and moved to this far off country and God didn't tell, he said, where are we going? God said, I'll tell you when you get there. And again, I've said this, so some of you just ignore it. I mean, I cannot imagine having that conversation with my wife. Baby, we're selling our house, we're moving. Where are we moving to? We're just gonna get in the U-Haul and when we get there and I get this feeling from God, I'm just gonna tell you, hey, this is it. I'm gonna need God to give me a little more clarity than that before he sends me in there to talk about this because I need a little security. I need a little confidence that where he's sending me actually makes sense, right? Moses takes the people out of Egypt. They find themselves out in the desert. And they're starving. And God says, okay, I'm gonna send you food every single morning. But you have to trust only to get the food for that day. And if you try to get food for two days, it will spoil. It won't keep. What was he doing? He was training them to trust him every day. If they woke up on Monday and tried to get food for Monday and Tuesday, when they woke up on Tuesday, that food would have been bad. And they would have had to walk back out on Tuesday. And I mean, again, I don't know. I just envision that they kind of open up the tent and hope. Yep. There's manna again today. I think the first few days were hard. 
I think the first few weeks and the first few months, it was difficult to really trust that what God was saying was actually going to happen, that if we walk out of our tent in the morning, there'll be enough manna to feed a million people. Are you crazy, God? God said, yeah. But this is what you need. And not only that, the clothes that you're wearing, they're not going to wear out. For the next 40 years, they're going to keep. I can't keep clothes for a year. He said, no, they're not going to wear out. Your sandals, they'll be fine. Your clothes, they'll be fine. I'm going to provide everything that you need to get you from where you were to where you're going. You know three problems that we have living out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I'm not being honest about where I'm starting. John Cotter wrote this incredible book about leading change. He's a professor at Harvard, and he's talking about organizational change. But the first thing that he says you have to do to lead change in an organization is you have to know where you're starting. If I fool myself into thinking that we're better off than we actually are, I will never get where I need to go because I'm not starting from the reality. If you try to convince yourself today, you say, yeah, I want to go there with God. I want to get to that place where I'm trusting him with all my heart. You got to be honest with how much of your heart you're trusting him with right now. And I think the reality for some of us is we probably put a number on it. We go, yeah, I'm trusting God about half the time. But if you had a journal and you were actually cataloging when and where and how you were trusting God and when and where and how you were trusting yourself, I think that number would probably be less than you think. It would be for me. The reasons that I struggle to live this verse out is because I'm not being honest about where I'm starting. If I'm putting it in the GPS, I got to start from the place where I'm at or immediately I'm off course. Second reason I struggle with this, and you probably do too, is I don't know where I'm headed. Some of us have never made the decision that we actually want to end up where God wants us to end up. We've never given over our desires for our future to God's desires for our future. We've got plans and we've got dreams and we've got hopes and we've never laid those down in front of God and said, I want your plans for me and I want your hope for me and I want your future for me and not my hope for me and not my future for me and not my plans for me. I want to lay these things down as worship unto you, as a living sacrifice unto you. I want to just lay those things down and say, God, I want what you want for me more than I want what I want for me. The reason I struggle to live this out, and I'm sure you do too, is because I don't really know where I'm headed. I haven't actually sacrificed my desires for God's will. The third reason and probably the biggest one that I struggle with is that I won't let the route play out. I don't let it play out. I know where I'm starting. I think I know where I'm headed. And I get to a turn and I convince myself that God wouldn't lead me that way. I get to this crossroads, I get to this split in the road and I feel like God's saying, go left. And I go, no, I think the most direct route to where I'm headed is to go this way, God. I think I need to make this decision. I think I need to follow my own understanding because this makes sense to me. And so I'm gonna go there, God. So I don't let the route play out. The only way my GPS works to get me from point A to point B the fastest or the most direct way is if I know where I'm starting, I know where I'm headed, and I let the route play out. You could sum those things up like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path.
You know that. I'm not here today to give you new knowledge. But maybe today we'll figure out how to apply that a little more in our lives. When you came in today, you received this note card, or maybe you got one during the middle of our service. The band's going to lead us in a song to conclude our time together today. And here's what I want you to do, really simple. I just want you to take the pen that you received with your worship guide. If you didn't receive one and you don't have one, just borrow your neighbor's whenever they get done writing. I just want you to write on that card the thing that you need to trust God more for. The thing that you need to trust God more for. God, I need to trust you more with my finances. God, I need to trust you more with my marriage. God, I need to trust you more with my relationship with my kids. God, I need to trust you with my future. I need to trust you with my fears. I need to trust you with my uncertainty. God, I need to trust you with freedom from addiction. I've tried it on my own. I've leaned into my own understanding. I have attempted to make it work all on my own. God, I just, I need to reboot here. I need to redirect my route. And I need to trust you more for fill in the blank. The band's gonna lead us in a song that I think will just kind of speak over what we're attempting to do here. But here's what I want you to do. Once you finish writing whatever's on your card, I want you just to fold it in half. Don't put your name on it. Just fold it in half. And as this band sings, as they lead us in worship, I want you, if you feel comfortable, to come and lay that down on the altar. I I think it's a supernatural act of submission. I think it's a spiritual commitment. I think it's a moment that could be the thing that makes the change. You just write it down. And whenever you feel comfortable while this band is leading us in worship, I just want you to take that and I want you to walk down to the front and I want you to lay it down on the altar. And when you do, I just want you to pray a one sentence prayer. God, I'm giving this to you because I trust you. Lay it down. You can stay up here and worship if you want to. You can go back to your seat if you want to and I'll come back and conclude with prayer. If you don't feel comfortable, bring it down. That's okay. Nobody's going to read these to attempt to figure out who you are and what you're trusting God for and believing this is between you and God. This is just a moment where you are demonstrating with your physical body what you need your heart to do. God, I trust you with this. Let's pray. God, you ask us to trust you with all of our heart and lean not in our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge you. And you tell us that when we do that, you will direct our paths. And so God, I pray today that you would help us to trust you more for something. Whatever we need to trust you with, I pray today that we would do it. And that God, you would help us to live it out when we walk out of this place in a few minutes. Let this moment not pass us by as we attempt to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray.